Kyle, alcoholic. My sobriety date's December 3rd, 2008. Um, what, what to share? <laughs> I don't know where you got any of that from, though. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you know, the big book tells me to share what it, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So what it was like. The first drink I had, I was like four years old. I'd go around, steal my mom's beer, my dad's beer. And, and I remember one time they, they shared with me that uh, like they, they came home and they found me passed out on the ground. I, I used to carry this little tiny duffel bag with me with like full of Hot Wheels and stuff. But in there was a bunch of empty beer cans. <laughs> so that's how I started. Uh, but my mom, she, she ended up sobering up, so did my dad. Um, when, when I was right around six, seven years old and, you know, I sobered up, um, <laughs> I, I don't remember drinking then. I, I do remember drinking when I finally broke up with my high school girlfriend and, uh, we, we had gone out for like two years, first love of my life, blah, blah, whole wah, wah story. And, you know, I... I got with, with a couple of my older brothers and I was like, you know, I, I want to drink. So my, my older brother, he was actually 21. So he got this six pack. There was three of us who, who went out and he had a six pack. He had a six pack for three of us. But so we, you know, I, I had, it was like a wine cooler or some crap like that. Um, and we went to a bowling alley and I had, I had two drinks and I go in there, I'm feeling good, I'm buzzed, you know, and, and you know, they, we talk about this phenomenon of craving. When, when this was first brought up to me in this program, phenomenon of craving, I think of this instant because there I was in this bowling alley and I was feeling amazing. Life was fucking amazing and I wanted more. I desired more of that feeling. I didn't want to stop. And then they told me there was no more and I was fucking pissed. Instantly unhappy, instantly dissatisfied. So, you know, I, I ended up drinking, you know, weekends and, you know, weekend warrior. I ended up joining the Air Force um, and, you know, I remember going to a club, they put like black X, you know, marker X's and it come off with no soap because the bathrooms didn't have soap and just rub off. And, you know, I'd, I'd be drinking all the time and, uh, you know, I, I almost got caught one dime. It, it was the, the night that uh, Star Wars Episode 3 came out. And I remember it because I had to leave the club early and I was able to catch the midnight showing of Star Wars. But like I'm, I'm just starting my Air Force career then, and I'm underage drinking. And in the Air Force, if you get cut off for underage drinking, you're out, you're done, your career's over. So like I had a lot riding on it. So when the bartender's like, follow me, I just feel my life flashing before my eyes. And then I see an opening, and I'm like, gone. Very next weekend, I was there. <laughs> Very next weekend, you know. Um, ended up getting stationed up in Alaska for my first base. And this is, this is where I did the bulk of my drinking. It went from, you know, weekend warrior stuff to, 
to drinking daily. Um, you know, I, I was in another relationship and, you know, this, the pressure from that relationship caused a few instances where, where I tried to stop. And then, you know, a week or two later, I, I'd start drinking again. No, no actual reason behind it, right? Uh, I, I remember this, this one time, probably one of the longest wagon rides I had, it's like three weeks, right? I, we had a, a house party and beer pong was all, all the rage back then. And, uh, you know, all my friends are over and one of my, my good friends, he was playing beer pong and he was, he was getting pretty wasted. And I, I felt bad for him. I was like, I don't want him to have to drink all of these beers. So I'm going to help him out. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a good guy. And, you know, can't, can't have him getting too wasted. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't stop drinking again until I volunteered to go to a place that was dubbed Mortaritaville. I volunteered for a deployment to, to slow down my drinking. You know, my relationship was complete crap. We pretty sure we were broken up, but somehow we were still together. Um, you know, I, 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 was, I was having such a hard time dealing with that, uh, you know, like unable to handle emotions, unable to... To, to really have any real meaningful communication or, or anything like that, uh, emotionally unavailable, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I'd go to this, on this deployment, I stayed sober on the deployment. There, there were opportunities, but I, I stayed sober. I stayed clean four months, 130 days roughly, right in there. And, one of the, the last, that was really the last time I, I tried to stop drinking before, before getting sober. Um, after, after that deployment, there was about eight months of just, there, there's, there's really no, no moderating this. There's, there's no slowing this down. There's just go. Fuck it. You know, I, I'm, I'm done trying to control this. I'm done trying to to hide, not that I ever really tried to hide it. That's not really part of my story. Um, I, I, just, I just stopped caring. And I, I went from like, you know, maybe eight beers a night to a 24 pack a night. And I, I was, you know, I, I remember stopping by Walmart almost every day because Walmart, there's different cashiers, right? <laughs> also, the price was cheap and I was, you know, financially irresponsible. <laughs> um, but so I, you know, that, that relationship was, was still there, sort of still crap, but, uh, you know, I'm still in the air force and, and I'm selected for promotion and, and in the air force, there's like a, like a probationary period after you're selected before you actually assume the rank. And they don't call it a probationary period. It's supposed to not be one for anybody else. But for me, it felt like a probationary period because I knew people who would lose their rank for doing dumb stuff. And at the time, I was drinking and driving a lot. And, and um, I had moved from Alaska to here. Well, not here, you know, west or east of here, right? To, to Luke Air Force Base. Um, <laughs> um, but I... 
I was here, I, I moved here in July of 08. And, you know, like I said, December 3rd, it was, it was the week of Thanksgiving. So not, not very long, not, didn't, didn't have any, um, any, um, you know, equity with, with the, the bosses. And I, I showed up to work four hours late on Tuesday. And they, they're like, all right, it's your first time. You're new here. Don't do it again. Yes, sir. No problem. Very next day. Not only was I four hours late to the show time, they called early and said, you need to be here an hour earlier. So I was actually five hours late the very next day. So I, you know, I, I called the guy who called me to, to tell me, you know, it's an hour early. Also, where the fuck are you later? Um, and I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm like, like, I think I have a drinking problem. There's a pause, because what the hell do you say to that, right? And the next words that came across the phone were, was the wrong answer for me, honestly. He said, well, you called the right guy. I've been sober for two years. And I'm like, click, 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 bye. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong guy, because like I said, my mom got sober in these rooms, mind you. So I, I was a little kid in these rooms, and you're old. <laughs> I'm young. I'm 23 at the time. I want nothing you have. Nothing. Also, the 12 steps. I, I remember seeing the 12 steps on the wall. And that three-letter three word, God, was all over it. And I was the guy who would walk onto church grounds in Rhode Island, you know, historical churches, and say, fuck you, God, I'm that guy. I wanted nothing to do with God. And as such, I wanted nothing to do with this program or all of you. So I was like, well, what did you do to get sober? Because I'm curious, you know, I'm, I'm a little desperate at this time. And he's like, well, I went through uh, an Air Force program called ADAPS, and he did an eight-week outpatient uh, rehab. And I was like, all right, that doesn't sound bad. I like medical people, sort of, not really, but more than AA. Because he, he definitely offered to take me to a meeting, right? Again, didn't want that. So... I, I call up ADAPTS, they don't have any appointments, it's Wednesday before a four-day weekend, and they're like, we don't care. Come in the following Wednesday, December 3rd. So I did, and you know, I did this little questionnaire thing, and I'm an alcoholic, surprise, surprise. Um, but they, they said, all right, Kyle, we, we looked at the results, we recommend that you go to a 28-day inpatient rehab followed by an eight-week outpatient rehab. And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, I talked to this other guy who, his drinking sounds worse than mine, but he did just an out-week, eight-week thing, you know, got to live in his house three times a week. You want to 
lock me up for Christmas? Come on, guys. So, you know, I'm arguing. I'm there all day, like six, seven hours, and I'm arguing with them. I don't want to go to an inpatient rehab. And, well, they said, either you go or you can get out of the Air Force. And I said, can I get back with you? <laughs> Eventually, I, I agreed to go to a detox. And they're like, all right, go ahead. And I'm like, I want to talk to my commander afterwards, though. He needs to reconsider. I convinced the counselors at, at the detox that eight weeks sounds good. Eight-week outpatient, good, good, right? I'm like, please tell the Air Force that. I, th I think they did. But the Air Force said, I don't care. Go inpatient or get out. So I'm like, can I get back with you? <laughs> they, they had another question for me during that time. It was, well, what responsibilities do you have? You're 23 years old. You're in the Air Force. You're, you've been selected to be a staff sergeant, NCO, non-commissioned officer rank. Ooh, what responsibilities do you have? The only responsibility I could think of at that time, the only responsibility I had on God's green earth, other than showing up to work, which they said this trumps that, um, was I had to watch my ex-girlfriend's dog <laughs> because she was a flight attendant and frequently had to leave. That was the only responsibility I had. I had no excuse. But I'll get back to you. I, I don't want to go. Eventually I went. And the first thing they gave me when I walked through the door was this. The big book. I'm like, shit. Really, this is the wrong place. <laughs> so, I got to read in this big book, doctor's opinion, and I'm like, okay, some stuff there. Bill's story, first page of Bill's story. I, I looked at it a little earlier today. New England, I'm like, oh, I've been there, right? <laughs> Heroic. These are words that stood out to me. Another word that stood out to me in this story was oblivion. Oh, I love drinking to oblivion. I did not want to feel feelings. I did not want to be a part of this world at all. I, I, I wanted to be drunk, always. That's how I wanted to be. I did not want to experience life on life's terms. So... I'm reading it, and then I get to we agnostics eventually. And, you know, I'm all, all up to that, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, my drinking's similar to this. I feel similar these ways. And I read we agnostics, which is all about the second step. By the time I finished that chapter, after, you know, every time it said God, I'd keep reading the words, but not comprehending the words because my mind kind of shut off until it pick up until it say God again or higher power you know I'm not dumb I, I know they use different words other than God and it would catch me I'm like oh, shut down 
But by the time I finished that paragraph or that, that chapter, I, I felt like there was no hope for me. None whatsoever. Because I, I believed that I was an alcoholic. But the solution that was offered in this book was something I didn't want. That I, I honestly didn't believe I could even get. I thought I was fucked. I thought I was going to keep on going down the road I was on. And then somebody said, Kyle, you should get a sponsor. Sponsors. What's this? So this, this other guy who was also in the Air Force, he, one, they, they brought meetings in and he's like, hey, this guy right here, he's a former Marine. He's your sponsor now, get his number. So I did. And I, you know, I, I worked with him for a little bit and um, he, he lived on the east side of town. You know, you know, I lived west side. Not far west like you guys, but <laughs> west side. Um, so it was a little difficult to, to get with him. And honestly, we, we did step one. We did step two. We did step three. He left me with step four. I started writing some stuff. And then I stopped calling him. Yeah. But I still went to meetings. I was, I was going to a lot of meetings. And... It wasn't until there, one of my friends from rehab who had relapsed a few times, I was probably like right around 90 days, maybe 120 days sober. She, she showed up to a meeting fresh off, off, you know, fresh back in the program and she shared and she was so happy. She, she had found some hope. She, she, was working with a sponsor and she was doing some of this stuff. She was happy. And here I am. I'm sitting in this meeting and I'm hearing her share. And I just get pissed. I get jealous. I wasn't happy. I wasn't doing anything. I, I was stuck with a fourth step that was partially written. And I, I like, I'm so angry. And she was so happy me off. So I looked for a new sponsor and I found a guy that I, I knew was doing like big book studies and, and he, he shared about um, going to this one study and they, they rapidly went through the steps and I was like, I need that. And I asked him to be my sponsor and we started working the steps and I, I made it through. You know, I, I wrote down the fourth step. I, I shared my fifth step. I was delighted when I was finished. One of the words in here after the fifth step. Um, we, we hit the sixth and seventh. I made my list of amends. I started making amends to people. You know, I started praying more frequently. Um, still didn't know what the hell I was doing there, but I started praying. Sorta, kinda, I guess. And, you know, I started going to different types of meetings. I started going to, to a lot more like big book studies and, and step studies. And I, I got tied in with this other group 
of guys and you know it was it was another step study and you know they they dove real deep in and this is i think where where my my pink cloud phase really really came about was was during this time because i ended up getting another sponsor from from this group of guys and and um you know the the way that we agnostics was explained during during one of those step studies i related to it, it the way it came across i found kyle in there it wasn't just an abstract thought it it became personal it became easier to understand and you know I, obviously i was willing at the time um and slightly open-minded but the way that they explained it to me and in the way that i got it i was able to i i ended up getting um what bill w called that electric feeling you know i i felt it i felt it on my skin i felt it deep down inside me for the first time in my life i felt the presence of god and i'll tell you it was freaking amazing i started sponsoring guys still going to a lot of meetings um met my wife through the program through the fellowship i should say not through the program she she's also one of us um met her through through a group of friends fell in love once again and i i was already uh I was going to go to Korea for a year and I was going to go to Germany after that year and she was here. And so we got married after dating for 4 months. It's really really solid. Um it worked. We've been married the whole time coming up on 13 years. But that doesn't mean we didn't have our issues. One of the things that 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 step study group would say uh about spiritual fitness he he would say if you if you think that you're spiritually fit go get in a relationship and test it out. Mm-hmm. So I did, of course. And I was around 4 years sober when when I found out I was inconsiderate. <laughs> Thank you Alicia. It's my wife's name. <laughs> Maybe she'll listen to this later. <laughs> um but you know I'm I'm selfish. I think about myself and you know at 23 years old that's all I'm thinking of is myself. You know it it didn't matter if i was in relationship or not you know that that other person it, it didn't matter i am selfish and i'm delusional i take things the wrong way all the time you like the slightest of slights against me i i think that it's malicious intent and you want to kill me so as such i want to kill you um so you know moving to korea aa is a lot smaller there than it is here in the valley um i worked a lot in korea 
a lot of 12 hour shifts, a lot of, a lot of work days, um, started to go into a little less meetings. And, you know, being in my first year of marriage and what the hell does that mean to, to some guy who's 25 years old? You know, what does that mean? You know, uh, I, I, had, I had some more growing up to do. And this program helped. The sponsor I had there, we, we focused a lot on um, steps 10 and 11, that daily stuff. What am I doing daily, right? Um, I found that I wasn't doing everything that the book recommends daily. Um, so I started working on that. We, me and my sponsor at the time, we would do uh, a nightly inventory tonight together. We, we shoot texts. And it's not the first time I, I tried something um, with with the you know that nightly inventory um, with with somebody else or or even writing it down, but in every time I I find that I start lying. Every time that I start doing a nightly inventory, I found that I was lying, or or it would be too much work to to send this this message off and be honest with another person. Um, and, you know, it. I am not the poster child of AA or how these steps should be done, by the way. I'm not. Um, Korea, followed by Germany, followed by North Texas. Those, those uh, eight years, it started off good, but my my meeting attendance started falling off, especially toward towards the the trailing edge. You know, the the groups were smaller. You, you had a lot of the same personalities. Uh, there there's no choice for going somewhere else, and I, I got a little tired of attending and hearing the same stuff, and I. I also had a lot more responsibilities. Two children, and, you know, sports and all this other junk. Busy, too busy for AA. I ended up um, after North Texas. You know, in, in that probably four or five year span, I probably attended fifty meetings, which is not enough for me. Uh, not enough to hear about other people like me or, or hearing my story from others or sharing what's actually going on with me. So we eventually moved back here after that. And I was so excited. I was so, so happy to be moving back to the Phoenix area because you know, this, is, this is where I got sober. I know AA out there. I know there's a lot of different choices and there's a lot of fun stuff to do, blah, 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 blah. Move back here. I didn't go to a meeting for a year. A solid year. And I remember during that time, one of my, my buddies, who, who I've known since I first got in the program, he was talking to me and like he had invited me over his house and asking me, if, you know, do you go to meetings? I'm like, you know. Um, but you know, I, I started getting honest with him and I was like, you know, how I feel today is, is like a shell of a person. 
very, very fragile. If, if the, the slightest thing comes in, everything that I've put on the exterior, every part of me that I want you to think me is, as soon as you get past that, I'm fucking nothing. I'm dead inside. I was spiritually bankrupt. And I'm sober. One point my wife said, I wish you would have just drank. So I started going back to freaking meetings. Um, and you know, this is, this is during uh, COVID-19 and there's like no in-person meetings. And I'm like, I'm not doing that fucking online shit. <laughs> so I, I find one in person, good Man group. I'm there four months before my ticket numbers pulled. <laughs> I'm like, shit. But, um, you know, I, I got a sponsor. I got a guy who, who actually, you know, had less, less sober time than me. And, you know, we, we started working together and, you know, I did another four step. It's not, I've done multiple four steps, multiple fifth steps in, in my life, but I did another one with him and, you know, shared, shared my fifth step with him and we were, we were going to continue moving on. And then, uh, he passed away. So, you know, my fifth step's protected. <laughs> it's protected. But I knew when he, when he passed away, you know, it, it was sad. I still miss him. Um, but I, I grabbed another sponsor and, you know, we've, we've continued doing stuff and, and staying in contact and um, work... About to start going through the steps again because it it's been a while for me, and there's there's certain things that that don't feel right uh, that I I want to address, and the only way I know to address them nowadays is do the steps on them, work work through them through the program. Um, you know I've I've seen these steps working forward where you get all those sweet promises and. I've seen them work backwards, where you, know, you start judging yourself where you are in the program. I prefer it going forward, but somehow I always find myself with it going backwards. And I, I told Richard right before this, you know, the, this, this program's kind of like going uphill on rollerblades. Once you stop, you start rolling backwards. You gotta keep working. Um, you know, they're, I'm a stickler for the, the two alternatives that, that are in the big book. Blot it out to the bitter end or accept spiritual help because you honestly want to and you're willing to make the effort. They're alternatives. If I do nothing, I am blinded out to the bitter end. Um, I, recently, I, you know, I, I got a couple sponsees, you know, I, I work with them too, but working with, with one of them recently, um, we, we read the 12 and 12 and it was either step two or step three in it and, and talks about, um, about people who, who had belief in God when they came, came to the program and 
and their their experience with with you know re refining this power and gaining access to that power and that's that's something when when I first got sober I, I never had experience with you know because I was I was atheist you know violently so um you know and then I became agnostic and you know eventually I came to believe but after that 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 time out of the program I feel like I'm the latter as well. I, I once believed to, to a much greater level than I do today. Um, but, yeah, I, there's no but there. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to regain that, that pink cloud that I once had. I don't really think I need to either, though. There's a lot of stuff that I you know, hitting my knees in the morning and doing meditations. Um, there, there's a lot of power and in, in direction that I find in that. Um, a lot of what I try and do is, is to live right here, right now. Not, not worry about the future or regret the past. My job is to be right here, right now. And, you know, when they say, and all of our affairs it's not just in this room for me it's it's everywhere it's at home it's at work where i'm a boss at work i i direct people what to do and it's really hard for me to be like oh god you got that too you know i'm not the boss i i am supposed to align my will with your will That takes effort for me. There's been times that I've, I've felt a straight revolt in my body when I hit my knees to say a prayer. You know, how do I overcome that? A little bit of willingness, a little bit of honesty, and honesty with y'all when, when I feel like that, when I don't feel right. I have to be honest about it, you know? And I, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm happy that you've asked me to come share. It's been a while for me. Um, I, I hope y'all heard something that, that was beneficial. Um, I've enjoyed being up here. I like hearing myself talk just a touch too much. Um, but I know that my journey on this path isn't over. And I know that there's still effort and wellness that I need to give. Um, and that's, that's all I got.